been working uh, as my own boss for about five to six, five years, roughly around five years as my own boss. And so when uh, we responded to come to the Gold Coast, uh, I didn't consider uh, exactly how things would kind of uh, turn out in regards to finding employment. I came with the intentions of working on this church and, and being full-time and, and having this as my center, and so I made a decision not to start my own business, and so I demoted myself and thought I would just be a bricklayer. The problem was is that I had the mentality of the boss, the work ethic of a boss, and uh, and so as a result, I, I worked for half a day. I traveled all the way to Ipswich. And I got fired probably two hours into working. Don't look at me like that, okay? I'm normal. I'm not a mutant. And so the boss literally looked at me and was disgusted at how slow I was. He was older than me. He was probably about twice my age. And he's like, I'm laying bricks faster than you. And he got all upset at me. And of course, he used colorful language. And he said, you have two options. You're either going to work half a day. I'll pay you half a day. Or you can work the rest of the day. And I'll pay you for a full day. I'm like, well, I've traveled all the way to Ipswich, which is an hour and about 10 minutes. I'm going to work a full day. And so the guy left and went and got my money and watched me work the rest of the day. He actually never laid bricks with me. He just kind of sat in his car and just, uh, and I talked to the laborer while I was there. So after that sad story happened, I'm driving on the way home. I'm calling up Pastor Payne. There's something wrong with me. This, is, this guy here is broke. And so I look for another job, but the only job I can find is as a laborer. So I've gone even lower. I'm hitting rock bottom. I'm going, God's really going to do a work of building me up because there's only one way to go up, right? So now I am employed as not a bricklayer, but as a mud shoveler. And because I know what it means to be a good laborer, I excel in my laboring to the point that the boss doesn't want to give me an opportunity to lay bricks. So I have a, a crisis, right? What do I do? Do I sabotage my own laboring abilities and pretend like I don't know what I'm doing and tell him I'd rather be bricklaying and hopefully get a job? Or do I just keep a right attitude and keep working as a laborer at a time that felt like it went for an eternity? There's something powerful about service that I had to learn, and I'm sure many of us will have to learn in our Christian walk, that while it's wonderful to be at the top, the truth is, is that there is such great honor in serving others. The passage of Scripture we're about to read, it is the conversation between a prophet by the name of Elijah who is going to be passing the mantle on to another protege, which would be Elisha. In this passage of Scripture, we find Elisha that is busily working. He's made something of himself, and he is going to be given an opportunity of a lifetime. And if he passes, ultimately, how he responds to the mantle fallen upon him, will determine his destiny. 
I want to preach you a, t- a sermon entitled, The Evolution of Service. Out of the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 21, just one verse. The Bible says, So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, uh, boiled their flesh using the oxen equipment, uh, and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. The evolution of service. I want to look firstly this evening at the opportunity of a lifetime. And the truth is that people don't view serving in the right manner. Generally, serving has a negative connotation. I read this fable of a farmer and the snake, and this farmer sees this snake in his field, and it is frozen stiff. And so this farmer grabs this snake and nurtures it back to ultimately existence. He warms it with his own body, and after he resuscitates this snake, this Venomous snake does what it's programmed to do and it bites him. The farmer looking at the snake as he is dying saying, I should have known better to serve or save a venomous snake. And so here is this reality, right? We see service as this employment into something that could ultimately hurt us, and the truth is, is that serving is a hard service, that it is not for the faint-hearted, it is not for the weak, we are involved in something that is going to take hard work in serving others, and ultimately we must be one mind when it comes to this service. Think about the rich young ruler. The Bible says you have everything. You are very wealthy. Sell all you have and follow me. And the Bible says that he went away sorrowful because he could not grapple in his mind, lowering himself to where Jesus would be able to use him for the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible says sorrowful was his response. Elisha knew what prosperity was all about. He was at the top. How many have ever been at the top? How many have ever just been given the position of like, you know, you're either the head honcho, it's like a, I need you to organize this, and you, you feel good, right? It's a good opportunity to, you know, I, I still remember Pastor Payne is like, you know what, I want you to be the follow-up director. I didn't even know what a follow-up director was. He goes, you're going to, you know, talk to people and help them to, uh, uh, you know, uh, follow up and make sure that they're doing the right thing. And so I want you to have a meeting with all the Bible study leaders. Now, some of the Bible study leaders in Beachborough were twice. I mean, they were there when I was in diapers. And so they're going to be sitting there and I'm going to, okay, guys, we need to be doing this and we need to be, and the Bible says, blah, blah, blah. And, I, and, you know, in my mind, I'm going, they must be thinking I'm absolutely insane. But it's good, you know, you, you get a little rush. Elijah knew what it was like. Elijah knew what it was like to be at the top. He owned oxen. He had servants under him. He was prospering. Almost like being at that nice restaurant. You like that nice restaurant? They come in, they go, Would you like more coffee? How much more coffee would you like? Would you like water? And then all of a sudden, I've never, I don't like sparkling water, but what, what is it when you go to a restaurant and they go, Would you like sparkling water? Yeah, why not? Sparkling water. You feel good to be served. Is someone serving you? This is a Elisha's life, that he was being looked after, that he was prospering, he was a high income earner, and now all of a sudden, 
here is Elijah that throws this mantle on him and the weight of it is going to grip him. Will he be willing to make himself second? And how he responds to this is ultimately going to determine his destiny. Whether he sees this as, well, that means I'm down here again and I'm going to have to work my way up again. Or he's going to see it as an opportunity of a lifetime. He's going to see it with the right eyes that only something like this may come past him once in a lifetime and that's it. It's interesting nowadays at how, you know, young people, they'll jump from job to job to job to job. It's like, you know what, I'm going to get an apprenticeship as a painter. And then they try it for a month. Oh, you know what, there was, it was, I'm not going to lug up tins for the rest of my life. And you think, Joe Blog down the street has made a living, got three cars, he's married with 13 kids, and, and you think you can't do it? You gave it one month. It's like, I'm not going to do that for the rest of my life. It's like, oh, you know, I tried bricklaying. You know, we, we see everyone uh, uh, coming through trying to be a bricklayer. It's amazing at how in their minds they have this imaginary, uh, this is what I want to do. Uh, and yet when money, you know, when, when hard, hard work... Uh, uh, confronts how much money they, they throw it off, absolutely not, give up. And yet here is a man who saw this as an opportunity of a lifetime to serve with Elijah. So let's look secondly at liquidating everything. Because people have issues when it comes to uh, what we are going to commit to. When it comes to making a decision, I'm all in, it's very difficult. It's not something that you do without thinking about. It's not something that you just enter into. A commitment is something today that nobody is rushing quickly into. You can see it in society. They would rather live in a de facto relationship because I want to be able to, at any moment, I'm out. <laughs> no strings attached. It's only a piece of paper. No, you have commitment issues. And ultimately, this breeds in humanity. A, 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 they, they despise commitment. You're tied down. You, you, you are, you've got the ball and chain you know, strung to you. As a result, you, you are paralyzed. You can't move. I like options. I like to be able to be a freelance from one thing to another. If I want to change my mind, I want to be able to do that. Nowadays, in every commitment, there's even a clause. How many of you ever heard of prenuptial agreements in marriages? Is that interesting? It's ironic. They plan the end before they start. It's like when we end this relationship, because it will end. You're going to get sick of me. I'm going to get sick of you. You're going to take this much. I'm going to take this much. It's insanity. People develop a fear of commitment. As a result, no risk-taking, no spirit of adventure. They don't live. You know, there's something about being willing to go all in. There's something about, you know, that risk moment where you say, you know what, my chips are on the table. I'm doing this and I'm going 100%. 
This is exactly what Elisha did. He liquidated his business. Listen to what he did. He ultimately uh, slaughtered his uh, uh, oxen. Uh, He burnt the actual yokes. Uh, He boiled the flesh and he uh, 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 and ultimately gave it to the people. I, I mean, there's nothing to come back to. It's just bones now. Everything was gone. Gave his servants the golden handshake. Take whatever you can. If you want to start your own business, off you go. It's all yours. I don't want any of it. But he had no plan to come back to this. He was willing to put everything on the line and follow Elijah in what he had uh, Basically, just through a moment of just throwing a mantle on, his, on him. It was just one of those moments where he captured something and was willing to go all in. He put himself in a position of, all, of no return. Uh, years ago, um, my dad and I, my dad, uh, it's, it's ironic because he's an evangelist now, but uh, years ago, he used to h- hate flying. And so I remember that we went uh, uh, one of our trips. It was a you know we we went to Melbourne to watch a soccer game. It was Argentina versus Melbourne Victory. And so my dad and I we we booked a hotel. Uh, and uh, and you know my my dad's a, he's a solid character. He's you know he's very very rarely do you see him afraid. And I'm sitting next to him uh, and he's yapping, he's talking, and I'm like, why are you talking so much? We're on the plane and it's just about to take off and he's, you know, he's almost like he's sweating a little. I look over, I'm like, are you scared of flying? He's like, well, you know, just trying to brush it off. But, you know, there's a lot of people have fear of flying and it's interesting at how, you know, how many know that when you get on a flight, there's no, there's no point of return. It's not like once you're in the air, the pilot, you know what, let's just turn this back around, forget it. It was a big mistake. It's like you're in the air. And wherever you're heading, trust me, that's a destination you're going to land at. I read about uh, just uh, on New Year's Day, a uh, 15-year-old Perth girl went missing because she jumped on a plane and instead of going to Melbourne, she jumped on a plane going to Sydney. A 15-year-old Now all of a sudden it's like home alone in 2019, right? She's by herself in Sydney. It's caused a huge frantic search for this young girl because the truth is is that, you know, there there was no turning the plane back around. It was, she's going to land there. Now you're going to have to search for that. What's interesting about his, uh, Elijah positioning himself in a point of no return is that he left very well. That Elijah understood something about closing the books. That when you liquidate your business, it's good to be able to go through and make sure that you don't have any outstanding bills, something that's going to creep up later on while you are in the ministry or following the will of God. It's like somebody comes knocking on your door. Sorry, you still owe us a bit of money from back in 1963. He left everything in order. There was nothing outstanding and ultimately was able to position himself that God could use him. I want to look thirdly in closing at the evolution of service. Because what's interesting about our character, Elisha, is that he 
knew what it meant to properly serve. By definition, he would now ultimately become the beast of burden for somebody else. He had oxen. He had uh, these uh, uh, servants that helped him and provided and, and, and brought a service. Uh, and now he would then be trading that in, releasing it, and he himself would be coming uh, that servant for Elijah. He knew this from the very beginning. We see Elijah's heart for service is revealed. That ultimately willing to burn everything, boil it up. And the Bible says that he gave it to his servants for them to eat, but there's no mention of him eating himself. There's no mention of him sitting there and going, you know what, this was a great time, blah, blah, blah. He was willing to just release it into their hands. This is yours. You've worked for this. You deserve this. And as a result, even at that point where he could very easily had uh, eaten something, there was something inside of him. It's like, you know what? I don't have time to sit down and eat. I'm ready to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to miss out on uh, Elijah's first uh, uh, 101 uh, lesson that he's going to teach me. And so thanks very much. Food right now isn't my priority. And the Bible says he just followed Elijah. God give us Men and women that have a passion, a zeal, a vision for what God can do in their lives. Isn't it interesting at how Jesus in his ministry is like, okay, we've got things to do. Oh, uh, Pastor Jesus, just quickly, let me go bury my mom and dad. It's like, yeah, but they're, they're middle-aged people. They're not going to die for another th maybe 20, 30 years. Why, you know? You're going to waste all that? Oh, you know what? I, I'd love to come, Jesus, but I've just gotten married. And so before I come and follow you, let me just, you know, at least go kiss my wife. It's interesting at how when it comes to the crunch, a lot of people renege. And let's be honest, right? Nobody's signing up for stacking chairs. Nobody's like, yeah, I can't wait to get to church and just get those chairs out nice and straight. The pastor's going to be proud of me. Everything's going to be good and look great and greet people. Is it? You know, I just can't wait for that. It takes a real special person, let's be honest. Someone that understands what it means to serve. Jesus said that the first shall be last. And vice versa. There's something about that mentality that we grapple with. It's like, what do you mean? If I'm running a race and I have trained for it and I break the tape, why am I coming last? It goes on to speak about how those who serve, great are those who serve. You know, there's, a, uh, there's advertising nowadays going around for... Uh, bus boys or, or, or you know, uh, people that serve weight on tables. And the, the slogan is, is that we're people as well. We're, we're humans as well. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's this advertising that, you know, uh, people are there at the table and they're, you know, hey, get me this. I need a drink. This is not done. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's this heartfelt plead to 
treat these waiters as human beings. Because the truth is, there's something in human nature that looks down upon people that are there to serve. And for us to translate that into the Christian life and serve others, it just doesn't make sense. But what you have to understand is that service is only done correctly when it's done with a pure heart. It only has impact when it's done with the right attitude. It only, I mean, you could provide a fantastic banquet, but if your attitude stinks, ain't nobody coming back. There you go, have your food. And you're there like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? It's like you can bring the best product to the table that no doubt is better than any, but if the service is terrible, forget it. Holly and I, we went to Taco Bell. And the reviews at Taco Bell is like, great food, you're going to be waiting a long time. The lines are going to be through, you know, throughout the front, uh, front door, down the street, and, you know, the service. It's almost enough to deter... Not, anybody else to deter him from a taco, but not me. Here's this reality. Two things about serving purely. Number one is to follow. The Bible says that immediately he arose and followed Elijah. Now that word literally means to carry. When, it me when the Bible is speaking, I'm going to follow you uh, Jesus, I'm going to go where you're going to go. In our minds, we're thinking we're going to have the adventure of a lifetime, but in reality, it's speaking about, hey, uh, you need to carry my bags. Can you go pick that up for me? There's something about having a pure heart that understands, you know what, I'm here to pick something up. I'm here to lift my end of the table so that ultimately the job that's going to be done gets done with the least effort. I don't want to be a strain or anybody else. We all know it when we're moving furniture. There's one corner that that one person, he's not doing his share. You're thinking, why is this piece of furniture so heavy? Because the other person down the other side ain't lifting nothing up. Pure heart means you're going to need to learn how to carry things. Number two, it means also that he became his servant, and this literally is translated to worship. Now again, like, again, how, how can we describe this in its purest forms? I guess the only real way to illustrate it is, is, is through marriage, right? When you get married, there's something about a marriage that you can see that the husband, not worships, but just idolizes. You know, the husband and wife idolize each other. That to, to her, he's the hunkiest man that has ever walked the face of the earth. To him, she is... The model, she is Miss Universe and the Galaxy. Right? We'll have a marriage counseling sermon maybe later, a little bit later on. But you know what that helps you to do is ultimately you are mindful when 
You are involved with each other and something changes. Now, Holly and I, we were talking about it, how, you know, as you get older, your color changes and, and elderly ladies, they'll either get like the pinks and the, you know, the purples and they'll change like to, to just have purple hair. And I think, has the husband gone through a lifetime of not noticing the wife's hair? That she just thinks, that color's fine. Right? And I, it's, it's like, husbands, do yourself a favor. Just notice. Notice when she gets her nails done. And can't, even if you don't understand it, say, you look ravishing. It brings out the color of your eyes. It doesn't matter. It just... Because there's something about when you begin to position yourself like that, that you understand what it means to serve, that you are concerned about how they feel, that they are a priority, that when they are recipients of that, they feel honored. They feel as though, wow, wait, wait a minute, you're spoiling me. I don't deserve this. I had a friend that, you know, when, when you're working with bricklayers, it's, you have to be masculine, right? And he, I, I'm telling you, he made me feel like a million dollars. He'd look at me and always say, you know what, man, you're a real good-looking rooster. I'm like, yeah. It, I mean, it was from a guy. Nobody wants to hear that from a guy, but it's like, Yeah. priorities of others, learning to serve, honoring people, lifting them up above you while you're there ready to, you know what, let me tell you about my day, it's been horrible, it's like you look at them and you say, you know what, I'm going to make this all about you, this is what it means to be a part of the evolution of service, that ultimately as we give ourselves to the work of God. We are involving ourselves in something that is going to transform not your life, not just your life, but the lives of those around you. Think about the impact that Elijah would have had by just leaving, excuse me, leaving his workers with something to talk about. Something that left an impact. I everyone remembers the impact of a good boss. Someone that would either shout them lunch or, or buy them a little something here and there, would treat them with kindness, wouldn't look down upon them. Everyone remembers that. And yet we must not forget that this is exactly what the Bible is speaking about. When we are involved in service, we are going to ultimately give back into a kingdom that has worked so hard to see us saved. Our duty, our service is ultimately to continue to pass that mantle on to somebody else. I wonder, I wonder if Elijah had not first understood what it meant to really serve. If he would have cast that mantle upon Elisha. And Elisha knew who Elijah was and be like, I'm not going to follow you. That would have ended right there. I wonder how many 
church members. The pastor's like, I want you to be a Bible study leader. And they're like, no, I don't want to be a Bible study. I don't want to be under you. Here is a challenge. To be able to serve with a pure heart, understanding those two things that we are going to follow, which means to carry and ultimately to serve, which means to lift up. This is what it means to be able to serve with influence. Something that God can use each and every one of us to do if we'd just be willing to see it with the right eyes and understand that one day, one day, God would ultimately bring out the books and say, I saw how you treated people. I saw how you were willing to put yourself out, forsake those things that many others weren't willing to forsake. You ultimately are going to step into all that God has for you. What a blessing it is to serve. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.